Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. And you're listening to the Coaches Panel. It's pretty rare a player gets a ton in their first ever game of fantasy football. But that's what happened with Adelaide Crow Josh Rochelle. He's already shown pedigree, but is he ready to break out in his third year? We will talk about that on this episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Hi, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you are. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where we discuss who I think are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy to have a conversation about and consider for our starting squads and our draft teams in 2024. Joining me on this episode, time for a collaboration, I think. One of my favourites in the community. If you've been on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, chances are you've seen this man's face or heard his voice in the community from the Keeper League podcast. Hef, good to see you again, brother. How are you, my friend? MJ, thanks for having me on. I've been going well, mate. Uh, it's been a while since I've done anything with the uh, coaches panel. Got a bit more time on my hands at the moment, so I thought I'd jump on and give you a hand and, yeah, talk some footy. Josh Rochelle is an interesting player to talk about. The beauty of being on with him is people that love their drafts, especially keeper leagues, hold on right towards the end. Heth has got some really exciting news that's going to help you, but also help you with your way of ranking and rating Josh Rochelle on draft day in your keepers and single season drafts. But as we turn our attention to what he did for us last year, he's coming in at super coach at a price point at just over 413,000. That's due to an average of 73.9, two tons last year, 116 was the season high score, just narrowly beat what he actually did in his first ever game of Supercoach, 118. While in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, an average of 71.8, 649,000 is what he's priced at in AF, just a touch over 660,000 in DT, three tons last year, and a career high and season high score last year of a 105. If you've spent any time watching football over the past two years, whether you love or loathe the Adelaide Crows, you look at a player like Josh Rochelle, and he probably ticks that eye test for us, Hef, of just a player that you go, when he's on, you just know that magnetic way of how he gets involved in football, that flair, that speed, that goal sense, the dynamic of how he plays football, whether you love the crumb or not. He's the kind of player that, from a fantasy perspective, we just love to own players the way he goes about it. Yeah, I think flair being the operative word that you uh, touched on there, he oozes flair. So back in the day, uh, what was it, 2021, he was drafted. My first round pick in the Keeper League top-off draft was Josh Rochelle, funnily enough. I um, have since traded him. I traded him after about four or five games, to be honest, but I got a pretty good deal for him. That's how highly rated he was. But um, yeah, in terms, of, in terms of the way he plays, his, de- his flair is definitely the word that comes to mind. Now, whether that's going to be that is the best thing for AFL fantasy. You see a lot of flair players in the, in the competition that are quite often quant- quality over quantity um, instead of, you know, being someone who's going to be a good player for fantasy. And I'm taking, I'm talking about AFL fantasy. I don't play a super coach, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Josh Rochelle, I think is a bit of a different type. So I think when, as you said, when he is on, he's capable of some amazing things. That's for sure. Let's we look at that debut season for 2022 for a moment that we talked about. By the end of that year, he averaged 52 across 
the formats, two tons, including that debut 100 that I mentioned, 100 and 118 in Supercoach. Let's dive into, just sneak into a quick keeper moment for us. How important is this tons early? The breakout tracker is a great feature that you've had over a number of years. How important for keeper league coaches, which has some parallels for us in salary cap as we look for these breakout candidates, how important is early and ceiling hundreds in a player's career, even if they don't have a potentially favorable fantasy role? Um, tons itself, like tons are going to boost your career average, like from the, from the get go, really. So they're always a good thing. I see, I see tons though as more as something that brings their value up in terms of trades and, um, yeah, kind of trying to shop them around other coaches in your leagues because you don't really need to be averaging a ton over your first 10 games. Sorry. You don't need to score that many tons over your first 10 games to actually be on track to be an AFL fantasy player. Looking at the forwards at the moment, um, and looking at the top 10 of the competition, it's a pretty low bar from their their first few games where they average. Like most of them average around the kind of low 50s after their first 10 games and stuff like that. So looking at Josh Rochelle's first season, like you mentioned tons, but he averaged what was it, 50 something in his in his first 52, year. Yeah. That's 52. That's on track for the top, you know, 10 forwards in the competition. So it's not like, you know, it looks low. And because you see people like Harry Sheasel, I don't know, he played defense, but listed as a forward absolutely come out and brain it. And there's been a few in the past and things like that. You get a bit spooked and scared with a low average like that, but it's pretty on par for what you see from some of the best forwards in the competition at that stage in their career. So to answer your question, tons are important, um, but it's not the be all and end all. I think it's more important for getting people to recognize him um, and to kind of boost his value up and things like that. But if you own him at that point and he's not scoring tons, I'm not, you know, super sad at the same time as well. As long as he's tracking where he should be for in comparison to some of the better players in the competition, I'm happy with that as well. And the good news is that growth and, and tracking that you've been alluded to, we saw that in 2023, an average of 71.8 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 73.9 in Supercoach. So really a 20 points per game jump from what he did in his debut year. Three tons in AF2 in DT, nothing over 120 yet in his career, and, and pretty much a dozen flat scores under 80 across each of the formats. Now, the question about how you rank and rate the progression of Rochelle as we come back around what it means for classic and salary cap formats really determines on a couple of key indicators. Do you believe what we saw early from Rochelle last year is a true trend of what he's going to bring at the start of 24? Is it what we saw in the late part of 2023? Is that a truer sense of where he's going to be? Um, Pre-buy, he's going at 77.23 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 80 in Supercoach. Post-buy, 60s. Pretty low 60s across the formats. But if we look just at seven games, we're looking for trends and threads with these guys that could break out. In the first seven games, he goes 89.7 in Fantasy. He goes 86.4 in Supercoach in a line where we're really lacking in confidence of 90-plus forwards to pay for at any level, let alone at significant discount based on what we're outlaying from our salary cap perspective. That's exciting for us. But there's kind of four key areas. Maybe it's really three heft that people talk about when they're talking about the Crows and this midfield is they kind of go, if he's got high CBAs, that's his pathway to being a gun. I've got some numbers on that in a minute. If he scores multiple goals, that's his pathway to being a gun. Okay, maybe that's the case. In those two areas, if you're curious, in the six games he attended more than 35% of center bounces, goes at 90. 
in AF. Goes to 87 in Supercoach. So again, sure enough, in the games, he kicked two goals or more. 85.6 in Fantasy, 79.5 in Supercoach. In the games, he managed to get the both combined. It's just one. Uh, he got a 95 in Supercoach and a 75 in Dream Team and Fantasy. But I think the thing I'm most curious, and I'm keen on your take as a South Australian, getting to be very much in the the, uh, the crom and the pear bubble, is there's a lot of anticipation and expectation on this football club to succeed and to push into finals. Is he going to score better if this club improves? We'll talk about role in a moment, but is there any trends there that you see that gives us confidence that if the Crows get better and win more, that maybe we'll see some better scoring? Yeah, I, I ran the um I ran the data or the my spreadsheets of last year's stats um through some of my you know databases and things like that and had a look at some of the numbers. And I think the biggest correlation I found with Rochelle it wasn't really CBAs and it wasn't really goals. It was whether the Crows won or lost, or it was probably a bigger factor. Like yes, there, his high, his average was slightly higher when he had more CBAs and things like that. And you know, it was slightly higher when he kicked more goals and stuff. But I think the biggest correlation, I think, which had the biggest variance in his numbers was the actual overall Crows performance. So in games where the Crows won, he was significantly better in games where the Crows lost. And there's, you know, there's a few, yeah, there's a few kind of um, abnormalities in those kind of numbers. There's some games where the Crows lost and he still averaged a ton round one, for example, against the Giants and things like that. But overall, as the season went on, in the games where Crows won, he scored, he seemed to score better than games they lost. So I think that's the biggest factor with Rochelle. And I think we're worrying about CBAs and goals and all that sort of stuff. But really what we should be looking at is we've got a player who is capable of both of those things and has multiple avenues um, in ways to score and things like that. So I know there's a lot of debate whether he gets more CBAs and that's something people are worrying about because he needs to get those CBAs to boost those scores or, you know, he needs to kick more goals. But I think the, I think the biggest factor is what, what do we think of the Crows? And how do we think they are going to perform this season? And you're the you're a Crow supporter. I'm a Port Adelaide man, so I tend to think I'm more uh, anti Crows. But I often think as well, though I often think as well, though supporters of their club are probably a lot more critical. Like I'm very critical of Port Adelaide at the moment, um, even though we won an amazing 13 games in a row and everyone's raving about it. But it doesn't matter when it comes to finals, does it? No. But <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of off Port Adelaide at the moment, and I don't think we're much chop. What are you, what's your thoughts? Well, off air before you saying you weren't really too sure on the Crows. What are you, what's your take on them? Yeah, well, I think the greatest indicator for the Crows of whether or not this rebuild is going to work is ultimately around which three old blokes are playing significant roles through the midfield specifically. The old blokes I'm alluding to are Keys, who's probably like 25, and it's very unfair to say he's an old bloke, and he's been on your podcast, I know. So much love, Ben, if you're listening. But So if Ben Keys, if Rory Sloan and Matt Crouch, any of those three are playing significant midfield roles for the Crows, and that's on the premise that Laird and Dawson stay in the midfield, which I can't see how they're not. But if either of those three guys are playing significant roles, that means Saligo, Pedler, Berry and Rochelle, who we're alluding to, are not picking up these midfield minutes with Schoenberg pretty much out for the year. They need these kids to evolve for the rebuild to work. And so if they're going to surge this year, it's got to be off the back of these third, fourth year players really taking a step up. And so for me, as a Crows fan, as a football perspective, if I see those old blokes taking the big roles, 
okay, sure, that's great for Matt Crouch and our fantasy teams, but I think that's a bad sign for the Adelaide Crows rebuilding the pathway where they're heading. I think you want to see a Rochelle sort of around that 35% centre bounce rate, not lose that forward craft. You want to see Peddler more inside. You want to see Saligo on the inside and outside. You want to see if Berry's 2022 was just lightning in a bottle or if 2023 was just a cluster of disaster. You want to see what that is. So for me, that's where I kind of look at it because as you mentioned, Rochelle scores in all these areas that opening round of the season not opening round but round one three goals one tons up doesn't hit 20 possessions a few weeks later gets 20 odd possessions just the one goal eight marks and goes 90s across the formats against the hawks 21 disposals doesn't kick a goal gets an afl fantasy ton and then in round 16 23 disposals two behinds and tons across the format. So we're talking about this guy that from a breakout perspective, as you're right, has all these elements around what he could be. It's now, can he put them together? And it's, as you've said, the Crows start winning more than what they've done over the past season or two. Now, all of a sudden, this is the pathway to increase scoring because he does everything at a really solid level with natural development in him and hoping from a Crows perspective and for him that's his pathway to scoring. I'm in complete agreement with you that victories are the pathway to his scoring and CBAs are nice, but sometimes CBAs aren't always the pathway to scoring. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's it's more so the Crows kind of having control of the game. Um, so he can be involved in either he's on the end of possessions because the ball's actually coming down to him or he's in the midfield and they're actually winning the footy, winning the clearances, that sort of stuff. Or they're kicking goals, they're kicking scores big enough to actually win games and he's he's, you know, included in that kind of um that kind of system as well. So they're the kind of key factors. With the Crows in general though, like looking at their midfield makeup. So if we are worried about CBAs and that sort of stuff, the Crows very much turned to their tried and true O'Brien, Dawson, Laird, Crouch to finish off last year. And Really, like it's it, it's actually a pretty solid midfield on paper when you look at it like that. But looking at results, um, was it the most effective thing for them? They lost a few games late that they probably should have won. I know they heartbreakingly, you know, should have made the finals. Um, you know, there was that uh, that uh, umpire decision that didn't go your way. But yeah, there were some games in there that where they probably you know, didn't look as good as they could have. So whether they will push more time into the development of some of these kids as well, like you mentioned before, Ben Keys, like I don't see him as a permanent um, midfielder anymore, but more of that kind of forward and can play accountable roles when needed, like when they needs to go to a Nick Dacos or something like that, like he did last year. Um, he's the kind of man for that job. Saligo is someone they rate really highly. I think Pedler and Rochelle are the two that are going to probably be fighting for the time because they've both got that forward role or might be part of a rotation together. But what I like about him is they both kind of offer something a bit different um, to each other. Like Pedler can use a, a kind of a bigger body. He can kind of play that inside role when he goes in there a little bit better, whereas Rochelle can kind of give that, um, yeah, you know, that flair and that kind of extra kind of excitement that you might need to just break a line or kind of, you know, bust it out of the midfield and, you know, Nick Dacos style, you know, in, that, in the grand final, that sort of stuff, um, you know, that little factor that he kind of gives to him there. Um, mm. 
could do something like that as well. So yeah, that's the kind of way I see the midfield makeup. Um, interesting to say Harry Schomburg saw him at a music festival on uh, Saturday and uh, looked like he was having a pretty good time off at the moment. So <laughs> but you don't that. have to train too hard. You're able to enjoy it. So as we look at this yeah. forward line as a whole, one of the reasons you might be looking through the first sort of 12 episodes of the 50 most relevant going, MJ, you are so forward heavy. Why is it? It's really because I have little to no confidence at what we're paying at the top end of the tree in our salary cap and even in our draft capital at these top end forwards. It's guys that, okay, McRae's got the pedigree and the history, but there's been some scoring regression for a number of different reasons over the past few years. And I'm not completely convinced Smith out is an automatic reason he pops. What does Flanders do in this new role? Does Dusty pop back under a new coach and get some more premium midfield minutes? Do we see a shy Bolton? We talked about this on the Tim Trent. There's so much unknown in the forward line. So from a salary cap perspective, it does feel like minimize risk by taking some punts on some of these mid-range guys that should break out or at least are candidates for it. And then if you're on the one that's wrong, if Fisher doesn't, if McDonald doesn't, um, Okay, we'll jump over and leave that. What's your take? You've done your draft ranks, let alone from a salary cap perspective as you play specifically AFL fantasy, but the pain is very much real in Supercoach as well as we do it. What's your take of the top end of the premium forwards and how important it is to hunt for value in this breakout range for us in 2024? Yeah, looking at my classic side right now, and um, it'll change a million times before the season starts, don't you worry. But yeah, I've got at the, at the my top three in my position, I've got Jack McRae, Sam Flanders, and Taylor Adams in fantasy. So I've gone pretty pretty safe there. Um, well, what, what is that safe? I don't really know, but they seem to be guys that are Ownership slightly undervalued. Yeah, it feels safe. Yeah, yeah. they're slightly undervalued on on last year, and um, so there's some upside there. And that's really what I'm looking for when I'm picking players in the in the classic format. That is, and actually, no, sorry, in all formats, really, and in, in draft as well, and in keeper leagues, obviously as well, is you're looking at upside in all of them. Do I think Josh Rochelle has upside? 100. So, but how much upside? Like. What was he 71 average last season? Is yeah, he going to bump 70s that? across the format. Yeah. Yeah. If he goes up to, I can see him, if everything goes well, maybe an 80 average, but is that enough to kind of warrant the cash generation and all that to actually pick him in your classic formats? Probably not. Um, draft's a bit of a different story, but at the same time, I think in draft, I'm going to be one of those people that lets other coaches fall over themselves getting to the better forwards, knowing that I can probably pick up better mids, maybe even secure a better Ruckman earlier than I usually would. Cause I'm usually someone who likes to leave my rucks a bit late. I would be targeting someone that I'm a bit more hundred percent certain that are going to be a good scorer in the range where I think some of these forwards are going to be going, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. It's based on average of what he did last year. While average isn't always the indicator of what the future holds. Um, it is a, very large portion of the community draft off seasonal averages of the year gone by and then a little bit of fantasy community hype and friendship that kind of moves them there. It's not the largest portion of the community that sit down on a Saturday evening with, with a, a sneaky water and decide, I'm going to build my draft ranks. That, that's not a large portion of the community that do that. But based on averages, he's sitting at 35 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 36 in Supercoach in, in a, you know, five forward, 10 team league, that's putting him at F4. You'd probably feel like if you really want him, you've got to go for that F3 position if you really want him. I think if you're waiting and hoping that he becomes 
there for you at F4. I think there's enough excitement in the community around what Rochelle could be, whether it be for six weeks, eight weeks, or right up till the buy. There's enough chatter in the community to go, yeah, I hope he's the 30-ish forward off the board might be a little too far and hope. But with a keeper league, talk to me where you, you're putting him. There's a really exciting project that you've been working on at the moment. The details of it are going to be in the description of this episode. Tell us about what you're doing in the, the keeper league space and some drafting tools that are going to help the community. Yeah. So I've spent the best part of the last four months working with another guy um, on a keeper league specific mock draft simulator so it's a mock draft simulator where you can kind of start from the top of the draft and you work your way through but the computer you draft and you take your picks obviously and you know practice your draft but the computer is going to be thinking more from a keeper league perspective more so than your traditional mock draft simulator um like the draft doctors do for example theirs would be more on the single season ranks what's going to happen this season ours takes into account what is might happen into the future and puts a higher emphasis on younger players who have shown kind of some potential already um, or guys that were good underage scorers and things like that and kind of uses that as the the brain behind the, the, the computer that you draft against. The computer does also learn from, has the ability to actually learn from user input as well. So um, let's just say like, for example, Will Day last year, um, yeah, cool. he started to get some real hype in the, in the preseason and people started drafting him earlier and earlier. Um, so the computer actually sees that, learns that and starts to draft someone like Will Day a bit earlier. So you kind of get a feel for where the hype players are going and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, that's essentially what's what's coming out pretty soon, actually on Monday. So what is it in a few days time? Um, yeah. Days. So yeah. So on the 15th of January, that is. So yeah, that'll be coming out soon. So yeah, Josh Rochelle obviously is um, someone that kind of fits that category that people are looking at in keeper leagues in their four lines. And I might just track back to what you were saying before about yeah, um, where he ranks at kind of F4 and, you know, people might take him. That's a, you know, might be taking him a bit earlier than that. If we think he's going to go around that 80 mark, so, or, you know, high seventies around that kind of mark. So can he average more than Lockie Schultz last year? Because um, he probably gets a bit more midfield time than Lockie Schultz did because he had very minimal. Um, I think he's more than capable of putting something like that. So if you can get around that mark, you know, around that Isaac Heaney, maybe even, you know, Bailey Smith, what he averaged last year, he hit a down year, but he averaged 83 still as well. Rochelle, Rochelle's got the tools to do that as well. So that actually yeah. puts him at, you know, an F2 kind of range as well. Like yeah. if, 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 he, if he gets to that point. So there is merit in picking earlier. I'm not going to judge anyone who does take the punt because fantasy drafts are won and lost on these kind of punts. So you've got to kind of take the risk every now and then. And if you do decide to take him at that point, I don't think it's the worst option. I just think at the time that those kind of players are going, there's going to be better value. Probably someone like Jack Steele might still be around or something like that. You know, that was a bit down on, on last year or someone like that took Miller might still be around, which I'm probably more confident in taking a punt on than trying to risk the, the forwards, that sort of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally it does. It's not just about <laughs> yeah. I've got to fill out my, my four, my five, my six, whatever forwards it is. It's it, yeah. it's about, you know, doing your rankings and your tiers, you know, horizontally as well as vertically across all those elements. Like you said, why take a 75 forward when you're saying bye to a 95 mid? That just doesn't make any sense to be able to do that. I really think that's some brilliant advice. So Josh Rochelle, is there upside? Yeah, potentially there is. Is it if he only has midfield? No, Hef's unpacked for us in a really brilliant way that his scoring, whilst, yeah, he scores with CBAs and he scores with goals, 
What do you think the success of the Adelaide Football Club is going to be, especially early on in 2024? If you think based on fixture, based on form, based on frustration of results of 2023, that they're coming early in 2024, well, there's enough threads for you to be able to go, you know what? You could maybe hold some confidence that he's a guy to hold for a six, eight-week period to get you through. If you're not sure, if you're not confident, you're not going to get a look and see an opening round, but there are other mid-price forwards that are playing through that round that will inform your decision. That's the beauty of the preseason. Look at all the possibilities. Look at all the variables. Get all the data and information you can and then make the most informed decision for your team, for your format of playing, and for the way you choose to play fantasy format. Hef, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. You mentioned about this mock draft that's coming for Keeper Leagues. Where can people get in touch with you across social media? Tell us your website and some of the cool stuff that you're doing at the moment. Because you're not just in the Keeper League space at the moment. We're seeing your breakout into the AFL Fantasy Classic mode as well, which is awesome. Yeah, well, the whole idea, I guess, our podcast, and you can find us on all the podcast platforms just search for keeper league podcast or our website keeperleaguepod.com.au the idea is like it's it's called the keeper league but we're not specifically for keeper leagues our whole shtick is we talk about undervalued uh, undervalued players breakout candidates um and or people that you could stash for the future but trying to encourage people to have a deeper look at AFL fantasy away from the top 100 players that you look at in your classic so yes we call the keeper league but the, the advice is actually well, what we're trying to do is kind of just build people's knowledge knowledge base in AFL fantasy so we can discuss more players, maybe look at the top 400 in the competition type thing and maybe not talk about the top 100 so often type thing. So that's what we're all about. Um, and we've got heaps of resources up on our website. So uh, currently the, the big ones that we've got out, so we put out a document last year on the um, draftees of 2023 and which one of those draftees have the best AFL fantasy potential. That's useful for your classic because if any of those guys are debuting early and you might have a few to choose from, you can have a look at which ones play the best sort of game for fantasy and might um, might have a look in in your teams to make you some cash early. Um, but we've also got the breakout tracker, which we used a bit um, earlier to look at Josh Rochelle and how he compares. And he's actually trending ahead of the uh, top 10 forwards in the competition at the moment. So um, over, this, over his first uh, two seasons. So he's on the right track. He's a bit behind the midfielders if you think he's going to end up playing there, but um, he's on track with the top 10 forwards in the competition. So Keep an eye on him on the breakout tracker. Um, the other thing that we've got is we talked about the mock draft simulator, but we've also got um, some ranking spreadsheets and things like that that are coming out uh, or are out now by the time this comes out. But um, yeah, so you can actually check those out on our websites. That just go into some, they're just really detailed spreadsheets with every kind of stat you need for AFL fantasy. I do do more of a super coach based one that's coming out later, um, just using the stats that uh, people tend to, tend to look at for super coach a bit more, but you can use them to rank your players. And um, yeah, it's a pretty comprehensive spreadsheet so we've got that going i was i will um kind of just before we kind of finish up here i've mm. got the adp data ahead of me and oh, where yes. josh rochelle is actually going in keeper league um the mock draft at the moment oh, okay. and where he's currently going so if we're looking him he's the 12th ranked forward overall in the keeper league wow. mock draft simulator so where he's going um and his average draft position right now is at 68 right now so in a startup keeper league draft so just right. a bit of food for thought where okay. people are rating him in terms of future prospects. To me, he's a future Toby Green, I think. So I've always thought about that and he's always drawn that comparisons, even as a junior. But 
Toby Green is always one of the first, my first pick players in a, in a keep league draft. No matter his age, I know he's getting what 30 plus now. I think I did a few startup mocks last year. I always seem to end up with him in my leagues. He's won multiple flags for me across many keeper leagues and things like that. He's one of my favorite players in the competition. Um, even before, you know, he became captain and was a bit more respected. I've just, despite <laughs> the dirtiness, I just like the way he goes about it, gets under people's skin. So, but anyway, we're not talking about Toby Green on this one, but no, that's no, my no, comparison. We, we, and we I think, fell into I day, think so. he's going to, yes, I think uh, in the future, though we're going to be a similar we're going to see a similar type scorer i think and a similar type player in the thing so yeah one yeah. to look out but anyway 68 in the mock draft simulator that's where he's going at the moment very interesting uh if you've missed any of those things that he's mentioned again even if you don't play afl fantasy or keeper leagues and you're a super coach player there's so much statistical analysis and data that is in these websites some of it's behind the paywall some of it's freely available uh, jump on over we'll put all the links in the description of this episode so you can make sure you jump in support some of the great content content creators and certainly half and the team at the Keeper League are one of my personal favorites and definitely something you want to go and support and get involved in around. So if they're new to you, make sure you check them out. If you know who they are, give them a follow, subscribe, kick them a couple of bucks. It's a really important thing that for the community, we keep supporting one another. Hef, you're a superstar, mate. Appreciate you. Thanks for being on the episode. Nah, thanks for having me, mate. Uh, anytime. I love coming on this, uh, the, the 50 most relevant. Uh, it's one of my favorite listens every year. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. If you want to go and check out back any of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, there's an accompanying article with every single one of these podcast and video episodes. You can check it out at coachespanel.tv. You can find us wherever you're listening to this audio podcast. You can just find us there, follow us and leave a five-star rating and review. And if you're watching these episodes, you get to see the guests as they're on with me. Make sure you're subscribed, notified, and you can have your say in the comments below about every single player we've talked about in the 50 most relevant. In a moment, a little clue, not just about who's on the 50 most relevant, but who I'm speaking with. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But if you haven't thought about joining our Patreon, encourage you to do so. It's one of those small, simple things you can do for as little as $2 a month. You can support the coaches panel, get access to a whole bunch of hidden groups, additional content pieces, articles, videos, and podcasts as well in and out of season. And if you join our premium and breakout tier levels, you actually get the 50 most relevant audio podcasts the day ahead. So if you like to be ahead of the pack, you can do that. It's really, really simple and just one little thing to do. So who's tomorrow? Number 38, I think I'm up to, in the 50 most relevant. We haven't done too many defenders, so we'll go back there. My guest, I'm in a collaborative space. Mitch from the Ball Boys. You're going to love him. He's a fantastic human being. You're going to love this episode. Who are we talking about? A guy that in the defensive line, to me, is one of the safest guys across the formats of averaging 90-plus. He's got ceiling for days, like in a one-on-one -on -one matchup, can he go 150 plus across the formats? The answer is yes, he has multiple times and more. Not too many are talking about him this preseason. There's a few reasons for it, but are they valid or are they myth? Find out tomorrow who we're talking about with Mitch from the Ball Boys on the 50 Most Relevant. <laughs>